Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. A lot to get into. A new week and high school baseball. That season is effectively over for our local teams. A great run by Silver Creek to the semi-state. A game we carried Saturday afternoon on 94.7 WFIA. Uh, the Dragons had a tall challenge. Brabuff and Andrew DeCanich, who is a Big-time Vanderbilt play, uh, commit, but likely uh, from all the reports that I <clears throat> have seen and including talking to some of his coaches on Saturday, he, he's a very likely first-round draft pick when the Major League Baseball draft gets here later this summer. So uh, he was magnificent on Saturday, but so was Silver Creek. They battled. They lost 2 nothing. The game never got away from them. Uh, they competed. Capus uh, to Colin Capus, the pitcher, the starting pitcher, at least for Silver Creek, he put up a great effort as well, but another great high school baseball season and Silver Creek able to take the mantle the furthest this offseason, or I should say this postseason, all the way one game out from the state championship. I will say it's we've been spoiled here locally uh, to get to go to Victory Field now for a number of years and have some local interest in uh, one of the four state championship games that will not be the case this weekend coming up uh, in Indianapolis. But nonetheless, a great season and a great run by Silver Creek, and we were glad to be a part of so many of those great postseason moments going all the way back to the 4A sectional at Jennings County. Some great games, great pitching, great coaching, great talent, and uh, now a lot of those guys will head off to play college baseball. Some of the underclassmen that we have bragged on and had a chance to see, they'll uh, they'll take a step up after the summer and uh, their roles will increase. So I'm already excited about what high school baseball could look like here uh, in future seasons. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we're going to open the week in the show with some headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. And then later in the hour, it's Monday, which means Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join. And with Zach, we will talk the latest with IU basketball. There's some stuff to get to coming out of the weekend. I'm going to talk about this here in a moment. But C.J. Gunn, he was really fantastic for the Indiana All-Stars. The boys uh, swept Kentucky over the weekend. Gunn was named the MVP on the Indiana side. We'll talk about that. Also uh, over the weekend as well, some good recruiting news. Xavier Booker, who's getting all sorts of interest, and I'll mention this here in a few moments, a uh, lot of new suitors and big offers coming in for him as he rises up the national recruiting rankings. He's got an unofficial visit set to Indiana coming up later this month. So that is good, good news for Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers when it comes to Xavier Booker of Indianapolis Cathedral. Uh, more on that here in just a bit. 
Later in the show on Mondays, Chad Gilbert is my guest. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School. He's a longtime coach, a basketball coach in the area for many years, also on the IHSA executive board, and he'll, he'll join us to recap the baseball season and look ahead to the summer. I mean, the school year is wrapped up. Graduations are behind us. And uh, next on tap is high school football. So uh, we'll uh, cover a lot of that with Chad when he joins us a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Uh, also, the Thornton's text line is open. You know, once uh, high school sports ends and IU basketball and football are right in the middle of the offseason, there's plenty to talk about here in Southern Indiana sports always, and there's plenty of offseason basketball stuff to get to always. But now's a good time for your questions and comments and suggestions. Uh, it is the uh, slow months of radio when it comes to sports, but uh, we've never subscribed to that here on this program. We've always had lots of great guests and interesting stories to tell, and uh, we'll use the summer months now that we're here to tell some of those stories and to catch up with some uh, that we haven't for a while. But your your input's always appreciated, your questions for our guests and topics and so forth, and that number is 502-414-1450, so save it in your phone. 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. All right, let's get into some headlines for the day, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. I want to start first with the Indiana All-Stars. I thought C.J. Gunn was terrific over the weekend. Uh, he helped Indiana sweep the Kentucky boys Friday night. That game was down in Owensboro. And then Saturday night, the game was at Southport Fieldhouse there at uh, the high school in Southport. Uh, Gunn, a four-star prospect. You know, he's not. A, I mean, he had a great high school year, a great senior year for Lawrence North. He had some injuries or an injury early on that maybe slowed him down. But he had 21 points and was the MVP after the Saturday night game and just played 18 minutes of action. Gunn will now report to Bloomington uh, immediately. I think he went from the All-Star game on Saturday night to Bloomington on Sunday morning. Uh, and so for him, a good cap to his, his high school career. And I think for IU fans, maybe a boost of confidence for him as well because he's not the most heralded recruit in that class, obviously, with Jalen Huchifino and Malik Renault. Those guys have kind of stolen the thunder, and Gunn's the in-state guy. He's the guy from our state. Normally, uh, those type of prospects are front and center. That's not the case because really the level that Woodson and staff are recruiting at. But I thought a good close to his high school career for him. He had 20 points on Friday night in 23 minutes and just all the way around a good weekend for him. Also, wanted to give a shout-out to Brandon Northern. Brandon uh, did not get a lot of playing time in the junior-senior exhibition game on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I think he played 12 minutes or something in that game. Still had a fairly efficient stat line. But he came back on Friday and Saturday and logged some real minutes for uh, the Indiana All-Stars. In fact, in the Friday game, he had 10 points, 4 of 7 shooting, 
two assists and a steal uh, to help the All-Stars kick off the series with a win Friday night down at Owensboro. So you talk about a good cap to his high school career. I'm not sure uh, maybe we had more confidence in him because we know him, but I'm not sure a lot of people thought he would log the minutes and have the role that he did with the All-Stars. So good for him. And, of course, Kennedy Mason Stryverson, she was on the girls' Indiana All-Stars team. Uh, They had really a thrilling game on Friday night. They won on a last-second shot down in Owensboro, and then Kentucky was able to come back and beat them in a game that really wasn't near, nearly as close on Saturday evening in Southport. So a one-and-one one split for the girls in the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series. But always great to see local interest. We've had quite the run of not just state championship-level success, but we've had quite the run of recruits and Indiana All-Stars and so many different honors individually for our local athletes as well. It was great to see those guys get a chance to uh, to uh, to shine here this uh, this off season as we really officially uh, closed out not only high school baseball with Silver Creek losing, but high school basketball with the Indiana Kentucky All Star Series over the weekend. So uh, Gunn and Shud Shafino and Renault and then of course Caleb Blank- Banks from Georgia. They all plan to live together. Uh, now that they're uh, everybody in Bloomington now, so they, they will be living together. Was I saw a report that that is the plan for those guys so they can strengthen their bond on and off the court as well. A couple other things to get to. Uh, Major League Baseball draft coming up uh, in just a bit. Uh, and with that, the MLB draft combine begins later today out in San Diego at Petco Park in their really are a number of local players, a handful, that will be involved in this prestigious event. It's for high school seniors and also college prospects who are draft eligible as well. And from our immediate area, I think this is pretty impressive. You're going to have three guys from Clark and Floyd counties that are going to be there. Tucker Biven, a senior at New Albany who is committed to the University of Louisville. He's going to get a chance to go out and perform in front of the NBA scouts and coaches and personnel. Also, Tim Borden, who played at Providence, was on some of their great teams, started at UofL, and then uh, wound up at Georgia Tech and had a monster year, had a lot of home runs for the uh, Yellow Jackets. He's going out as a college prospect to the MLB Combine. And then Corbin Dickerson, a Jeffersonville native. We don't talk about him as much on this show because even though he's connected to our local area, he played his high school baseball across the river at Trinity. And, of course, we all know that they are a great program, and he had a lot of success for the Shamrocks. But Dickerson, another high school senior that's going to get the chance to go uh, out to uh, San Diego for this big MLB draft combine. So a lot of local interest. Uh, Andrew Dukanich, that was the pitcher this weekend for Burbuff against Silver Creek. He's going to be there as well. Uh, so really the top 250 or so prospects. It looks like the high school players, the high school seniors go through the drills and the workouts and the measurements and vision tests and uh, even some, I think, off-the-field stuff about how to you know how to handle your social media and how to do other things uh, somewhat business-like. And uh, they get some games also to play in front of scouts, whereas the college players that are there, they don't play the games. And some of it's going to be televised on the MLB network as well. But Biven, uh, Borden, and Dickerson, local players with a connection to our local area that uh, will be at this big combine coming up uh, that begins later today out in San Diego. Also, one other IU basketball note, I know I'm skipping around a bit here, but Xavier Booker, you know, he's got all these new interests and new scholarship offers after his national ranking has soared. 
and he's been out to the USA basketball tryouts for the under-18 team. Uh, he was at the Pangos uh, MVP uh, of that camp uh, last week or earlier last week, and then, of course, part of the Indiana Junior uh, All-Star scrimmage on Wednesday night. He did not have a good game against the seniors, but nonetheless uh, one of the key prospects in that game. There had been a report last week that he's probably going to schedule his five allotted senior year official visits at schools that he has not seen yet, some of the new schools that are jump, jumping in the mix for him, which would seem, seem to indicate, at least at the time, that Indiana may not get a senior year official visit from Xavier Booker. But according to Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com, his father told uh, the site that uh, Booker is planning to visit Indiana, uh, an unofficial visit, on Wednesday of this week. Of course, previously in the year, he made a junior year official visit. You're now allowed five junior year visits, official visits, which the school can pay for and kind of wine and dine you in five senior year official visits as well. But uh, it'll be an unofficial visit for Indiana, but I think it's good. A lot of people curious, can Mike Woodson land Xavier Booker? Can he fend off some of the bigger programs that are entering the recruiting fray for him? And I think it's going to be interesting to see. But given the fact that uh, he's going back to Indiana, despite all this new interest, I think is a good thing for the Hoosiers that indicates they may be able to make a run at least down the stretch for his services. So Xavier Booker still in the, <clears throat> still in the fold with Indiana and set to make a, uh, a junior year, I guess you'd call this the unofficial visit coming up on Wednesday of this week, just a few days from now. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Still ahead, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is going to join for the latest on IU basketball and more. We'll recap the weekend that uh, C.J. Gunn had for the All-Stars. We'll talk more about Xavier Booker and the roster for next season. And then still ahead, Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown High School, as we talk local sports here on this Monday program. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest, the latest on IU basketball coming up with Zach. He helps us get the week started each Monday here on the program. And, Zach, I want to start with some recruiting stuff before we get into the team for the upcoming season that's still way, way, way far away. Uh, C.J. Gunn with some good buzz and good publicity over the weekend. He led the Indiana All-Stars to a sweep of Kentucky, which is still a very meaningful series, I think, in two basketball-crazy states. Gunn is often overshadowed because of how good this recruiting class is ranked and expected to be uh, with Hood, Shafino, and Renault. But good to see the Indiana boy uh, having some success and getting some love as he gets ready to go to Bloomington. Yeah, I think the... The other reason he probably gets forgotten is just he's been around a while and, and without wanting to be flippant about it, recruiting 
can sort of tend to be a, a sort of, you know, what, what have you done lately kind of business, um, especially when what Indiana's done lately, obviously, is a couple five-star kids, you know, Hood Shafino last fall and then Malik Renault in the spring. It's really easy, even though he's obviously, as you said, local, um, to just kind of, you know, just sort of move past the guy that was in the fold even before the coaching change. But, you know, I, I think you – I would say similar things about C.J. Gunn that I would say about – that I would have said about Armand Franklin. And what I mean by that is whatever his ranking, whatever his, you know, sort of wherever he fits in terms of stars and things like that, you know the, the level of competition he played in high school. You know what would have been expected of him at a place like Lawrence North. And if he put up the numbers he put up, there's obviously got to be some talent, you know, some, some, some real quality Big Ten level talent there to work with. And so I, I think, I mean, yeah, I do think that probably from Seagun's perspective, things have, have, from the early, I don't know, I don't want to speak for him, but from the perspective of talking about CJ Gunn, probably fans have, you know, cooled on it a little bit just because, again, he'd been in the fold for so long that you sort of forget that he is a new player or a recruit just like these other guys. Um, but you see performances like what he had last week, and, and you're reminded that he has the potential to be a, a pretty good player in college. Zach Ostrom in the Indianapolis Star. And, you know, again, we, we have no idea how things are going to shake out for next season, but C.J. Gunn, to me, is one of a few players, a handful of players on this roster for next season that I think it remains to be seen what their role is like and how much time they get, whether it's Gunn, a freshman coming in, or whether it's somebody that's been around for a season or two. This IU roster has so much talent and so many different uh, guys that can step in or have stepped into different positions, of course, named, namely Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, and others that are now big veterans on this ball club. I, I do think Gunn is kind of an example of, of other players as well. It's going to be really interesting to see how playing time and roles and so many other things are split up on this, what appears to be a very talented team for next season. And I think, the you know, to, to, to kind of bounce that back in the other direction, I think the flip side to that is part of the reason for that is as much as we feel like you know, in the aggregate, Indiana is a talented team, and they are, and we can sort of, you know, there's things we know we can rely on because there are. Um, there is also the sense that, you know, frankly, um, there are still some questions to answer about this team. There are still some holes to fill. You know, who, who can make threes, for example, how many guys outside of Xavier Johnson are going to be able to create either for themselves or for others. You know, that was a problem last season. At times you felt like there was really no, you know, that there were times where if Johnson wasn't on the floor, Indiana really struggled to have that one player that was a creative spark. And there's different things like that. And, it's, you know, I'm not talking about CJ Gunn any more than Jalen Nuchafino or Malik Renault or anyone else, but it is kind of the, um, it, it is kind of just the, the, the idea that as good as this team can be, and as much as we feel like we, we, we can trust this team, especially compared to a lot of its Big Ten peers, there are still some some major question marks. And, and a guy like C.J. Gunn, as an example, you would think anyway, would have some um, some room to carve out a bit of a role if, for example, he comes in and proves early on that he can be a shot maker. 
Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, my guest, getting into some IU basketball stuff. I also want to bring up a recruiting topic here, and I mentioned this in the opening segment today. Xavier Booker of Cathedral, I think uh, people, and, and again, I judge this based on questions I get, and when I'm out and about at a summer league game this month, a number of people want to know, you know, can Mike Woodson hang in there with Booker as he rises up the national scale? I saw a report over the weekend that Booker's father is saying, uh, Xavier is going to take another visit to Indiana. It's going to happen this week, an unofficial visit. So the fact that he was on campus with a junior year official back some months ago and now a unofficial visit here over the summer, even with all the new interest, and I know that there's some thought he may use uh, his five senior visits on some of these new schools getting involved, it does seem good for Indiana that they are keeping in touch and keeping him around campus given the proximity from Indianapolis to Bloomington. Uh, an unofficial visit makes a lot of sense there and, and save the officials for the farther trips. But I, I just get a sense, Zach, that this is lining up to be Mike Woodson's first really, really big-time battle uh, to keep a kid in state that's getting all sorts of big blue blood interest. I think that's probably fair. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily the only sort of blue blood battle, if you want to say, that, that Indiana might want to be a part of some uh, kind of the, the, let's say, the business end of the 2023 cycle. I think Indiana would like, for example, um, Kwame Evans Jr. or KJ Evans, I think he kind of goes by both down at, at Montverde Academy, is a player that I think Indiana still retains a very, very strong interest in, and, and he's a top 10, top five player nationally as well. Obviously, Indiana's got a couple of his, his ex-teammates on roster right now. Um, but it, it will be, you know, it will be interesting. And it, it, I, I guess it, it will also be interesting, and I think this is where July will really tell, is you've seen a lot of schools kind of jump in with Xavier Booker recently, and I think he did particularly well at a couple of, of uh, kind of elite camps, um, you know, here in the last few months. Um Who's really, you know, I say this, I say this every year. I, I probably sound boring if people actually remember what I say, which they probably don't, to be fair, and there's no reason they should. But um, July is like the the ultimate sort of thickener of everything. Like July, it, it always feels like July is when you really sort out. This is who wants me. This is who I'm interested in. Okay, there were offers, and maybe there were some spring visits and, and different things like that, but. Who's prioritizing who in July in both directions? You know, the, 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 the schools and the coaching staffs during the live periods and then the players when they're talking about their recruiting process, especially coming out of July and who they're most focused in on. It, it, July is really kind of when it feels like we sort of set the terms for who is going to be a serious player for whom come the fall, come visit season, come, you know, midnight madness season. And certainly for the players that want to decide, want to make a final decision before, uh, you know, or I guess before or leading into the November signing window. And that's where I think you look at a player like Booker and you say like, all these offers and all this interest is piled up quickly. When it's time for teams and, and coaches to kind of put their chips on the table, who's there the most. And I think that that, that's going to be one of those that's going to be fascinating to watch, not just with Indiana, but just in general, frankly, for um, for Xavier Booker, who has, I mean, he's always been, you know, for a couple of years now, at least, we, we've known he is a high major caliber prospect that he's, he's got the tools to play at a, you know, for example, like at least a Big Ten level, it was maybe 
you know, you, you could have debated at one time, would, would it be where in the Big Ten, I guess, would he fall? But now I think it's pretty clear that he is going to be in that, that upper tier. And it's, to me, a question of just kind of who makes him an absolute priority. Zach, I'm curious. You've covered the IU beat and a number of coaches now over the years. Um, with the involvement with Booker, some of the commits that Mike Woodson was able to get in the class that's coming in now, and I notice even today there's a, a big-time 2024 player named Asia Newell uh, who is going to be on the IU campus for, I don't know, I'm, I'm obviously an unofficial visit if he's that young, uh, but it does seem to me that Indiana and its coaches, Kenya Hunter, Yasir Rosemond uh, specifically, uh, are involved in as many big-time blue-blood level players from 2025, the youngest you know, really recruitable class in many regards right now, all the way up to guys that are going to be seniors next season. It just seems Indiana is going after and having success with the big-time players, uh, whether that's getting a, commi- a commitment or staying uh, deeply involved with their recruiting to the very end. Do you get that sense that maybe Woodson and his staff more than – uh, any other in your time covering the Hoosiers are involved with more, I guess, big-time, highly-ranked, blue, but whatever you want to term them, do you feel that the the program is involved with more of those kind of guys right now and in Woodson's time than they ever have been in recent years? Or is that just uh, something that the, this time of year you're involved with a ton of guys and Indiana just happens to be uh, in the mix with a lot of different players? It's probably somewhere in between those two. I mean, I, I, I on the one hand, I think it's valid to, to sort of point out that, you know, it's not like Mike Woodson invented the idea of Indiana offering, you know, top 10 kids, top five kids, you know, even, even like maybe just in terms of total volume of offers, top 30 kids, top 40 kids. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, there's, it's not just, Mike Woodson and his staff that invented this. But I think that they have been really since day one, they have not been shy about getting involved at that level. They have not been shy about sort of trying to push themselves to seek out prospects. You know, even if you think about, for example, Tamar Bates and how aggressive Indiana was once Bates reopened his recruitment. I mean, Indiana was right there on the doorstep. Obviously, Jalen Pinchefino, Malik Renault, you know, not quite, obviously, different sort of timeline, but similarity to base that when the opportunity was there, Indiana moved swiftly, Indiana moved, you know, with, with real purpose and real intent. Now, when we're talking about Xavier Booker or KJ Evans, you know, I mean, we're maybe talking about guys that are just in that absolute, you know, top, top tier that we have not seen Indiana draw a ton of. I'm thinking about Romeo Langford, I'm thinking about Noah Vonleh, Cody Zeller was was right in that, you know, kind of top 10. I think he was maybe 10 to 15 range when everything settled out, Eric Gordon. The whole idea of Indiana landing top 10, top 15 kids has been a little bit fewer and further between. And it does feel like Mike Woodson and his staff are not being shy about trying to push that ceiling a little bit more. Um, and listen, they've been having success now as as – with everything in recruiting, the, the reason why, going back to something I said earlier about C.J. Gunn, the reason why recruiting always feels a little bit what have you done for me lately is, you know, it, it has to be sustained. Just because you landed one top five kid doesn't mean that your next five years of recruiting are just automatically sorted. You've got to keep refreshing and renewing and, and you know, building relationships and proving to elite kids or even top 20, top 30 kids that, you know, w- what you can offer them is is worthwhile for them for somebody who's 
ambitions or at the top end of the sport. But it does seem like I think it, I think it's fair to say that Woodson and his staff have been a little bit more a little bit more aggressive than maybe what we've seen in the recent past. I think the question is probably just how much is that sustained. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Before we let you go, I want to transition to some football. A couple headlines to bring up. Uh, I saw a report in the Star uh, over the weekend or late last week that uh, Lawrence North standout Donovan McCauley. Uh, could be transitioning this offseason from quarterback to wide receiver for the Hoosiers. It does sound like that's that's possible. I think I think Don Fisher raised that in a, a radio interview. I think it's where that first came from. And you know, just speaking candidly, that that chat has been floating around Bloomington for the last couple months. And in the way that in a small town you just can't keep any secret secret forever. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's something that I've heard about. It's something that other people have brought up as well. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I know that IU fans would probably look at that and say, well, geez, he was such a highly rated, you know, quarterback. You know, is this a great idea? Well, I would say a couple things. First of all, you know, you, you can kind of bounce back and forth. I mean, it's, it's not common necessarily, but I think, for example, of Ryan Tannehill, who was a wide receiver at Texas A&M and started his career, wound up transitioning to quarterback, obviously has now made a, a substantial professional career at quarterback. It's not like moving to receiver just closes the door forever on Donovan McCulley at quarterback. On the other hand, um, you know, in as much as we can handicap this, we did not see any of spring practice. You would still feel like the way people talk about that quarterback position, Jack Tuttle and Connor Bates, like the Missouri transfer, probably kind of the front runners right now for the, the QB job. Indiana's quietly got a, a you know, a wealth of riches or a, a, what's, what's the phrase I'm looking for? A, a wealth of options. That's what I'm trying to say. A wealth of options at quarterback. They've got a freshman coming in in the summer. Plus, you know, people forget about him, but Dexter Williams is healthy again after the ACL tear last year. Again, Tuttle, Basilak. You know, Donovan McCulley is just also just a great football player. And if you can get him on the field somewhere else where he can make an impact, then I think you've got to explore, at least explore that possibility. Again, this is one of those things where maybe this is, I'm not saying this is the only reason or the dominant reason, but this is one of those things that Tom Allen gets to tinker with behind closed doors if he's not allowing the media into spring practice. Um, and if, if McCulley can make an impact, Indiana needs it because it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is if he doesn't have receivers to catch his passes and, you know, this is a team that lost a huge chunk of its returning receiving production, you know, uh, Ty Freifogel, um, Peyton Hendershot, Miles Marshall, you want to go back one more year than that, Watt Fillier, you know, the, the, the guys that have really underpinned, uh, let's say the receiver slash tight end group, because it's, it's kind of both in a, a modern spread offense for Indiana the last three, four years have really all kind of left in a couple of big waves here in the last 24 months. And so if Donovan McCulley can be an impact wide receiver, he's got a big body. He's incredibly athletic. You, you see what, just what kind of, you know, what kind of football instincts he has, then I, I, I can understand that move from Indiana's perspective. And again, I'm not saying it will happen. I think it's probably, you know, an uncommon thing, but there's also nothing that stops Indiana if they decide in the future that McCulley needs to transition back to quarterback from moving him there. 
All right, Zach, one other football topic to bring up. Uh, you, you had a great piece, and it's for subscribers, so I don't want to give it away uh, where you had a chance to catch up with IU Athletic Director Scott Dolson. But uh, Big Ten football and divisions, I think the general consensus is from Coach Allen, from uh, Mr. Dolson, and, and others at other Big Ten institutions is that that eventually is going to go away. But the big question is, when do divisions go away? There's been no discussion or time frame set for that, but the general feel from everybody involved seems to be that divisions in college football are going to be soon a thing of the past. That's fair. And I mean, that's, that's something you could have said before I talked to Scott Dolson, before Tom Allen made his comments at Huber a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the fundamental shift in thinking is, is basically that if you've got a, a college football postseason, and when I say postseason, I don't mean the bowl season, but I mean the, the playoffs specifically, uh, a postseason road to a championship, maybe the best way to put it, that can comfortably accommodate multiple programs from one conference, as we've already even just seen a 14 playoff able to do for the SEC a couple of times, um, then why would you build obstacles to accommodating, you know, multiple teams from your conference? And, and the Big Ten has been, you know, really kind of the, the one conference, I think the Pac-12, eight of 11 Pac-12 championship games were won by the North. In the SEC, it's like 18 to 12, West to East. Uh, the ACC is 11 to 5, Atlantic to Coastal. Since the Big Ten realigned to East-West, the, the East has won every Big Ten championship game. Even more than that, um, in, this, in the eight years that under the current divisional alignment, the the top two teams in the final Associated Press top 25 at the end of the season from the Big Ten have both been in the East. The only two times a program from what is now the West has has won the Big Ten championship game, it was Wisconsin in 2011 and 2012. And in, in 2012, in particular, Wisconsin actually finished behind both Penn State and, a, and a, a, what wound up a 12-0 Ohio State team. Wisconsin lost to both of those teams during the regular season only got into the Big Ten Championship game by virtue of both of those teams being ineligible for postseason play. My point is the disparities have been stark. And you could say, well, what if we just rearranged the divisions and did north-south or something like that? Well, I think, I think the argument is that it's just – it makes more sense to just get rid of divisions. There's just – if the NCAA is not going to require it anymore, and that's kind of – you know, these two things sort of prompting one another, the, the, the idea of playoff expansion – the conferences to say, well, do we really need to do divisional structure where if we wind up with all our best teams clustered in one division and they all have to play each other, then, you know, maybe two or three teams wind up getting eliminated just by virtue of having to lose to the other best teams in our conference. And then the NCAA saying, well, okay, we can probably accommodate that. Why don't we consider getting rid of the requirement that if you want to host a big ten or you want to host a football championship game, you have to have divisions. So the NCAA did that literally minutes after the NCAA announced that the Pac-12 was like, our divisions are gone. And now the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Ten are all moving in that direction. Um, I do think you see a lot of support for it around the conference. Obviously, Scott Dolson, Tom Allen, have both voiced their support. It's also worth pointing out that, um, and this was kind of my lead to that story, but quietly um, around the conference, every single football schedule, every single conference football schedule beyond this year has been taken off the internet. If you go to, if you go to specific football programs pages, you know iuhoosiers.com or PurdueSports.com or whatever. In the past, there would be a drop-down tab that would have, you know, 
that year's schedule, previous year's schedules, and then schedules as far into the future as the program had scheduled. And the Big Ten had announced big uh, schedules, I think, all the way through 2025. And so that would be reflected if you wanted to see what the Big Ten schedule was in 2024 or whatever. Or if you want to see, excuse me, what IU football schedule was in 2024, you could click on that. You'd get the Big Ten schedule plus whatever Indiana had scheduled in the non-conference. Some schools like Indiana still have their non-conference games up. Other schools like Penn State and Purdue have just taken down every single schedule beyond this year. The point is everybody kind of expects that this is the long-term plan, is to move away from divisions, build some sort of scheduling model that protects maybe two you know, consistent opponents like Indiana maybe plays Purdue and Michigan State every single year because those are trophy games. Everybody else gets rotated, and then we figure out some sort of tiebreaker system that just allows the team to finish first and second in the Big Ten to play for a Big Ten championship game. I think that's where just about everybody's going, not just the Big Ten. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Great stuff. Thanks for covering a lot of ground with us, and uh, we'll talk with you again next Monday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, former basketball coach, and currently on the IHSA Executive Board is Chad. And we'll talk local sports. Baseball is over. Football is on tap. Summer League basketball is rolling along here in the month of June. Lots to get to, even though it's the offseason. Chad is next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for. All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this final segment, our Monday program. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown High School Athletic Director, my guest. And, Chad, uh, you keep us really in the loop from a school perspective, and school is officially out for the summer. Graduations are over and summer school is in session. And I'm curious, as we get to this off season where we're kind of in between things, uh, what, what would an athlete locally, what should they be up to this summer preparing for next season and next school year? Well, Matt, you know, this is an important time of year. As you know, athletics is year-round, and you see more and more specialization, which I hate. You know, I'd like for kids to have more opportunity to be kids. I'd like to have coaches more opportunity to spend more time with their family and, you know, be something outside of coaches, if that makes sense. I think the more you're around guys, the more you look at players and you see what they can't do instead of what they can't. Does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah. The, the more that you're around them. So I think that's tough on both coaches and athletes. But as an athlete and as a parent, you, now understand this, Matt, you have a responsibility that you need to do that's outside of the coach's hands. You know, and the kids have had everything where the coaches have laid out summertime. They've laid out this. They've laid out that. There's so much that, there's only so much a coach can do in that one. The parents and the kids have to have some responsibility, one, when it comes to one, what are their kids' needs? What is their needs as far as athleticism, as far as skill training, as far as development? Also, what are their needs as far as academics? Have they signed up with the NCAA Clearinghouse? Do they have their core classes taken care of? Are they signed up to take tests? Also, you know, as when you're in high school, you almost want to get to the point where you set vacations 
maybe to places that your kids would want to think about attending college someday and, and further their careers. That's something that is on the responsibility in the back of the parents and the, the young uh, student athletes. Now, I know with gas prices going crazy, that's something nuts right now. But, again, that's part of the process that you have to do. You just can't sit back and lay at the pool all summer, head to Holiday World, go to Disneyland, take a cruise, and then expect the things to fall in order as the school year goes on. You need to take advantage of this time as an athlete and get yourself your goals in check and then get your timeline in check for things that you need to do. And Matt, that you know, this is a great opportunity for coaches as well. You know, as ADs and principals is their last weeks in the building, coaches uh, updated forms, you know, they have to take classes every year. The, the the classes that the NFHS offers are updated this year. So these hot days when it's miserable out, sit in front of the computer and get those classes done. Same thing with the athletes. Sit in front of the computer, map out your desires, map out your goals, map out your dreams, and map out your reality and see what it's going to take for you to have a great experience. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Good stuff, Chad, on the off season. And the off season kind of gives us a chance to dive into some things uh, when we've got more time and some topics and folks and other things I'd like to spend some time on with you here this offseason. But, you know, there there are still activities going on. Summer basketball right now is one of the big ones, but baseball has come to a close for us locally with uh, Silver Creek being eliminated by Brebuff on Saturday afternoon. And football is really the next official in-season sport coming up, along with all the other fall sports as well. So a real transitional time right now. Well, Matt, Congratulations, kudos to you again for following Southern Indiana baseball throughout their state runs. This is the first time in a while we haven't had someone at the state tournament in the, in the state finals this weekend. Uh, maybe it's an opportunity that some of these kids, maybe some coaches, maybe some parents can go up to Victory Field and see the 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A state finals. Maybe take younger kids up there, an opportunity to say, hey, this is what it takes to get to the point that you want to get to of winning a state championship and also the feel of what it feels like to be part of a state championship. I think that's something that parents and kids forget about and a great resource that they can use to motivate their kids. But Matt, with that being said, you know, you talked about the summer league. Summer league is a useful thing and what you do for our teams in Southern Indiana Matt is second to none. I think coaches can use that one to mix up some things, try out, you know, whether you're not real comfortable with pressing, nobody cares about wins and losses in the summer. Press a little bit, see what you can do. Um, It also gives you an opportunity to put kids in different positions to, one, be successful, or two, it's auditions for some kids. Summer's an opportunity to show kids why they aren't playing, show parents why a kid's not playing. It's an opportunity for, number one, though, kids to show why they should be playing. So take advantage of your summer leagues. Take advantage of your summer workout uh, players out there and use this to your advantage and put yourself in a position where you can be successful. Chad Gilbert talking about really off-season stuff today here on the program. Chad, you brought up a great point, and I've seen so many summer league games here the first two weeks of the month. In fact, today marks the third and final week, Monday through Thursday, of games, and we've got just an unbelievable number of, of games this week at multiple locations. But there really is a difference, and you can tell coaches that are working to experiment and try new things and try different rotations and allow 
underclassmen to get some varsity or high school experience that they may not normally get or didn't get last season, as opposed to somebody that really wants to have an undefeated summer season. Who cares about your wins and losses in the summer? It's a time for exactly what you said, experimentation, development, take people out of their comfort zones. And I've seen some coaches this summer, and I'm not going to name you know against each other or anything like that, but I've seen some that really are using the summer uh, for the benefit of their program, and, and I applaud them. Absolutely, man, and, that, and that's what you should be doing. You should be using that, and it's a time to be honest. You know, there'll be summer free agency, Matt. We both know that throughout the state that a kid's not happy with their role on Team X, that they're going to try to find that role on Team Y. And uh, that's just part of part of the, the world that we're living in right now. Part of the the way things go. That doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that's the way it is. We've seen we've seen that happen time and time again. And uh, I think you're better off to have those tough talks right now. Those tough situations right now, where you can see where people are. Uh, but it is an opportunity that one. I, I I hope that kids enjoy it more than anything. I hope they enjoy their time with their teammates. There's a small percentage that are going to go on and play in the collegiate level. But I hope there's a large percentage that enjoy their experience, enjoy their teammates, enjoy their coaching, and enjoy playing basketball representing their community school. No question, Chad. NBA Finals tonight, uh, Boston and Golden State, it's been a good series so far, a competitive series. What's your take on this? I know we, we don't talk a lot of NBA during the high school and college season because it dominates, I think, all of our interest here locally. But I do make an effort to watch the playoffs, especially the finals. It's really good basketball. Uh, but what's what's going to happen tonight? What are your thoughts? Matt, you know it. Our, our guy Steph Curry is going down in history as one of the greatest NBA players ever. He's already the greatest shooter ever in the NBA. And with what he's doing with the Golden State Warriors, putting them on his back, willing them to championship games, willing them to world championships, which he's in a position to do with the series tied 2-2, two to two, heading back to Golden State. Great, great, great basketball. And for a coach, you can get so many sets, so much strategy on defensive rotation just by having a pen and pencil watching these games. But my my man Draymond, they're on my man Draymond, man. He's, you know, Draymond crazy. But I mean, my gosh, is have you seen a guy who's not a more willing passer? He puts these guys, Steph Curry and Clay and Poole, where they can shoot the ball because of passes by Draymond. He gets tough rebounds. He does all the dirty work. To me, Draymond is a big key to this. When they get on Draymond because he's not scoring, he doesn't have to score. He he puts people in a position to score the basketball, and when it comes time to uh, make big plays, Draymond will step to the ball. He won't hide, and he will do big stuff. So I really love the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, one thing, you want to root for the Celtics a little bit because if the Celtics win, our guy Romeo Lankford, he's going to get a championship ring. Yeah, somebody else brought that up. How does that work? Was he rostered long enough to to earn a ring even though he's in San Antonio? I think so, and that's something, you know, just adds to his – you know, his legacy, the legend of Romeo, you know, just another NBA, another accolade for a guy who's really worked extremely hard to be in a position to represent Southern Indiana well. Yeah. Matt, one thing I wanted to bring up, the Indiana All-Stars, you know, we didn't, we didn't mention that. Coach Broughton does a magnificent, magnificent job keeping that series alive, keeping that tradition going. And the All-Star, the boys swept this weekend. The girls split, I think. But uh, a lot of work goes into that one. I know a lot of people um, – 
are really excited when they make the team. There's only 12 roster spots, so a lot of people are really disappointed when they don't make the team. But for the job that Coach Broughton does with that, kudos to him. All right, great stuff, and thanks for bringing that up. We talked about the All-Stars. The boys sweep a little earlier in the program, and uh, but a great uh, former local connection and Coach Broughton, who's the game director for the Indiana side of that series. Chad, hopefully you get some time for a little break coming up uh, away from your AD duties. And, of course, we'll be talking about football very soon. It's the next season just around the corner. But Chad Gilbert with me on Mondays. Thank you, Chad. Matt, Amy and the kids gone there in uh, Northern California touring uh, state parks. The pool's open. Bring some wings and come over. Let's watch the finals tonight. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get it done. Chad Gilbert, my guest, and he's always with me on Mondays talking local sports here on the program. That's going to wrap it up for this Monday show. Back with you every day this week at 11 a.m. Thank you so much for being with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.